And there's a reason why we sing songs like that that say that I put my trust in God and trust in the Lord. And the reason why we say that, we trust in the Lord and put our trust in Him, is because we believe that. We believe that God can do anything. We believe that there is no other higher thing. There's no other higher power. There's no other God out there or thing or person or force that is greater than the Lord we seek to. There's no other thing out there that's greater than our God. Amen? And we're so thankful for that. And I hope you're having a great morning. I hope uh, it's just been a great time for you. Uh, I know that we in the South, we have a lot of things that we love dearly and are so thankful for. And uh, we're walking through one of those times we love dearly in the South. I'll show you a picture. It doesn't snow, but it pollens. And I know you're so thankful for that. Uh, I know we're all thankful for pollen. I was in Dollar General yesterday, and uh, I asked the lady, I said, are your buggies really yellow, or are they another color, but they've just turned yellow because of the pollen? Aren't you thankful for pollen? Yes, amen. I think it's from the devil myself. Uh, so it has clogged me up this time. I don't think I've ever been affected by it like I have right now. Uh, that's okay, because I'm not preaching. So that's a good thing for you, amen? And I'm glad you didn't admit that. For many of you, you know, you've been with us. We're walking through the word faithful. You see it here, you see it on the side over there. Walking through the word faithful. And we're walking through our five core values as a church, our mission statement of what it looks like and what it means for us as a church to be faithful. And you see our mission statement that we exist. We have this address at this place to love God and love people by keeping the great commandment and doing the great commission. And we look, we've been looking at how to love God. Many people try to figure that out. They live their whole life trying to figure out and wonder, how do we love God? Well, I think the Bible's clear. The way we love God is through our worship to Him. And we worship God in many different ways, through singing, through the scriptures, through praying, giving, serving, obedience, all those things. Then we've been walking through, the, uh, through Isaiah chapter 6 and the life of Isaiah. And then Isaiah found himself, it says, in the year King Uzziah died. And it was at that moment Isaiah looks around and wonders, okay, so the king is dead, there's no one on the throne, who's going to lead our nation now? What direction are we going to go? Without a leader, we are vulnerable to other nations coming and attacking us. And Isaiah was worried about that. He was worried about uh, what was going to happen to them as a nation. He was worried about uh, what would happen to families and uh, to all of his loved ones as well. And in, in Isaiah chapter 6, it says that right after he realized there's some unrest in Isaiah's heart of what's going to happen. You've been there. Uh, you've been there in your own life. Uh, circumstances have happened in your life, and there has been some unrest, some uneasiness in your heart. You don't know what's coming next. You wonder, what's going to happen? Maybe you lost a loved one, or uh, maybe you were diagnosed with something, or maybe you lost a job, or maybe you lost a friendship, or uh, you got uh, demoted at your job, or something. And you just found yourself in a hard place. And we've all been there. You've been there, and many of us are there now. 
you found yourself in a, what we call a valley moment. Well, that's where Isaiah was. He was in a valley moment, and he was just having a rough time. Well, in Isaiah chapter 6, it, it says that just right after that, he saw the Lord. He saw Christ seated on the high and lofty throne. And you've been with us, and if you have been, uh, we said that God is on the high and lofty throne, so we are intended and made to look up to Him, to take our eyes off of our circumstances and to look up to the Lord. And so He did that. And so He looked up to God, and then what happened was a worship service broke out. The seraphim were there, and they began to worship the Lord, and it says they called to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies, the glory of the, His glory fills the whole earth. So they began to have this worship service. They were singing to the Lord just like what we've just done. The Bible says that they worshiped the Lord so well and so great with such great passion that the doorways began to shake. How cool would that be? That the doorways begin to shake. And then right after that, uh, he has this worship service. Then Isaiah has a time of confession. Isaiah says, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I am ruined, he says. Basically, Isaiah says, I, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to be in your presence, Lord. I don't deserve to be in the presence of God. I don't deserve to be uh, at uh, where I am in my life. I don't. He saw God for who he was, and he realized just how sinful he is in his own life. So he began to confess and repent of his sins. And, uh, and so the Bible says that after that, he heard from the Lord. He heard from God. God spoke to him. And then he had a time of uh, 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 response, where he responded to the Lord. He said, really simply, here am I, Lord. Send me. He just had this wonderful moment with the Lord. And we've got, we've got to see in the life of Isaiah, in this valley moment, just how he was able to worship God anyway. Just how he was able to worship the Lord anyway. One thing that I bug out about, and one thing that just bothers me a lot, is there's a lot of pastors and preachers that I see them all the time. I hear it all the time, you know, on the radio or on TV or, or just clips on Facebook or whatever. And they're always saying things like this. God's about to do something big in your life. You just get ready. God's about to do this. God's about to do that. God's about to do this and do that. And you got a whole bunch of people who are sitting there waiting on for God to do something. Rather than you not, don't worry about what God's going to do. Don't worry about it. Isaiah didn't just sit down and go, well, somebody said God's going to do something right. No. What did Isaiah do? He looked up to the Lord. Hey, don't worry about what God's going to do. You just follow Him. Look up to Him. Worship Him in that valley moment. Worship Him when life is difficult. And all of us face those times. Well, it's great when we see a story of someone who worships the Lord in a valley. But that was thousands of years ago. That's a real life story, by the way. But what we want to do today is just a little different. You're visiting with us, and this is a, what, what a wonderful time to visit with us. You're going to hear a great story of, of faith family members of East Devonia, of just where they are in their life, and just how faithful they've been, but more importantly, how faithful God's been in their life. And so I'm just excited that you're here, and we're going to look at a real-life East Devonia Baptist story of a young couple in our church. So if you would, would you welcome to the stage Clay and Savannah Lawley. So you welcome them right here. They have seven and eight. Number seven and number eight. 
There you go. Spread all your notes out. Go ahead and get your tissue ready. Well, this is Clay and Savannah, and uh, I'll let them kind of introduce themselves to you a little bit better in just a moment. Uh, wonderful couple here, and, and man, it's just been a pleasure getting to know them over the last couple of years, and, and uh, they're just a dynamic couple, and uh, you, it would do you well to get to know them. Uh, they are just precious, precious people, and uh, I, I just, uh, I love them dearly. They're just so great. Uh, is that all you want me to say, man? <laughs> Give me that $10 uh, Wonderful guy, uh, but wonderful couple. But uh, they are, uh, I, I would say, going through a story. Uh, they're right in the middle of it. Uh, they're not at the end of it. They're in the middle. And uh, they have an amazing story. One thing that I love about East Avoca is uh, we all have stories. And you know what a story is. A story is meant to be told. You have a story. And God is writing your story. And he allows things to happen in your life, not so that you keep it to yourself. But we all have stories, and stories are meant to be read. A book is meant to be read, or, or else you wouldn't have a book. A story is meant to be told and heard. And so you're going to hear an amazing story today uh, of a couple that don't have it all together, a couple that's far from perfect, uh, but a couple that is trusting in the Lord with the best possible way they can. And uh, they're not perfect at it, but none of us are. But I'm telling you, it's you, you're going to be blessed to hear their story. So let me kind of uh, turn it over to you and just kind of introduce yourself, kind of quick background of how you got to here, and uh, from uh, you know meeting each other, meeting each other when you got married, stuff like that. And then uh, we'll start with your uh, last year and a half. So my name is Clay Lawler. This is my wife Savannah. We live uh, right here in Lincoln. Um, always been here. Um, I'd like to start out saying thank you for all y'all that are here today. Um, this is truly a blessing to be able to give you our testimony. Um, we both feel humbled and unworthy of this opportunity. I just want to say thank you. Um, to give you a little bit about our past, me and Savannah both went to the same high school and fell in love. Um, both attended the same college. Uh, middle of college, we decided to get married and start our lives. Um, and uh, Everything everything until this point was planned out. Me and Savannah had planned out high school, dating, um, college, get jobs, home, um, just live the American dream. Um, we've been married over a little over a year, year and a half, I mean, um, when we found out we were pregnant. Um, in October of 2017 is when we lost our first baby. Both of us were extremely upset, and as a man, there are no words to explain how you feel for your wife and yourself. Um, we consulted with our doctors, and our doctors told us it was completely normal for first-time pregnancies. Um, so we tried again, and at Christmas of 2017, we lost another baby. Our hearts began to get hard, but our prayers still remain. Lord, please give us a child. <clears throat> After um, we had the second miscarriage, our, our regular OBGYN recommended that we go see a specialist at Birmingham. So after seeing them, um, they remained very confident. They assured us that we were normal, early 20s people and that everything was going to be okay and that we just needed to try again for another baby. So that's what we did. And then in March of 2018, we lost our third baby. 
Um, after that, I could tell that, you know, my feelings were starting to get even more anxious. Um, I think that I was starting to realize that there was probably something terribly wrong. After that, she said that we would go ahead and try the blood thinner shots. I had a um, blood clotting disorder that should be relatively easily easy to fix. <clears throat> so I started the blood thinner injections and they told us that we could try again to get pregnant. So we did. And um, then in June of 2018, we lost our fourth baby. After the loss of that fourth baby, the doctors were really just perplexed as to far as what was going on. Um, you know, they, they could not give us any clear answers as to far as why this kept happening. Um, so my doctor recommended that we take six months and prevented pregnancy for those six months just to kind of give our bodies a rest, give us an emotional rest. Um, and so after, during the six months of waiting, um, my specialist in Birmingham contacted me. She said, you know, Savannah, um, we've continued to review your records. We've looked at everything, and I just can't come up with a clear explanation as far as what's going on. So I want you to go see this world-renowned doctor in Memphis, Tennessee. So after several more trips to Memphis, a ton of more medicines, more tests, more ultrasounds, more blood work, um, he said, I think we've got the ticket, we've got the right combinations of medicines, you're ready to try again for another baby. So that's what we did. And then last month, we lost what would be our fifth child. And to say that it has been an emotional roller coaster for not only the two of us, but everyone in our family, it's an understatement. So, uh, just in the last, you know, just shy of 10 minutes, uh, you've You've heard of a year and a half uh, of what they would easily say hardest year and a half of their life, uh, hardest things that uh, they, they've had to deal with. And, and uh, I'm just so thankful for their obedience to share the story. Uh, when I asked, I wasn't sure if they would, um, but uh, I have a uh, I have a gift at convincing people to do things, and so uh, but and they just they just very kind to do so. Obviously, it weighs heavy on them, and uh, they, they're in the middle of it. They're, you know, that was just recent, baby number five. Um, so, as, as you guys have walked through, I mean, I know you mentioned a bunch of medicines. And, I mean, you guys have been doing uh, all kinds of stuff. You know, you've taken medicine shots, things like that, uh, you know, that you, you've been doing. Um, over the last year and a half, what would you say has been just the most difficult part of last year? I know there's a lot, and, and I mean, we can stay here all day and, and listen, um, but what what would you say, this has probably been the, the hardest part for me? Uh, the most difficult part is you pray and you know that God's listening to you and you're praying, Lord, please give us a child. Lord, why is this... Not why, but Lord, I'm not understanding. I'm not understanding what's going on. And um, I think the reason why it was most difficult for me is because life was planned out to teeth. And this is like a roadblock that's been put up. And the flesh side of me is kind of like, okay, let's just keep going. Let's keep trying, you know, keep trying doctors. Um, but for sure, seeing my wife in such pain and just feeling helpless. You don't know how, all you can do is just comfort her and, you know, tell her, 
give her hugs and pray. And um, the main thing is just not having an answer. Just not being able to tell her or, you know, both of us not having an answer for why. Um, for me, I would say that the hardest part was just coming to the realization that I'm not perfect. You know, it's really difficult as a woman to um, for your body not to do the one thing that it was put here on earth to do, which is to be able to reproduce and have children. Um, without a doubt, it has been the hardest year and a half of my life. Um, but I can say that it has strengthened my relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, being in that valley, it caused me to 100% rely on Christ to get me through. Um, I knew that I could not make it on my own without Him. Um, it was really, it's amazing just to see your prayers change from, Lord, please give me a child. I need a child. To, Lord, I need you so much more than I need anything else in this world. That, you know, if there's anything in life that, that should swell up in your heart to cause you to want to share the gospel is that there's people that have to go through this very thing that don't have the love of Christ. That they don't have um, God to help them get through these hard times. Because I can honestly say that if it wasn't for the love of the Father, that I would not have made it through. I one of the things that you talked about uh, in just kind of your opening story is that you know everything you guys from meeting to you know job engagement marriage jobs house work all that uh, it's just kind of all worked out like it like it was a, like you planned it uh, and that you know it, it all just kind of and we talked about that I know you mentioned that that everything you planned it happened just like that and the Lord is gracious enough that it did uh, but then you said this has happened. And I know it's been difficult for you, and we've had those conversations, sometimes in tears, of, you know, everything's worked out like it should, why hasn't this worked out? Uh, why haven't, why has not this worked out? And one thing about Clay is, um, like any husband, uh, you know, Clay, I talked to Clay on, on numerous times. I've been concerned about Clay. I, I know his love uh, for his wife, and it's hard, you know, Clay and said, what do I say? I don't know what to say. I, I don't know how to console or comfort her. How do I do that? And, and uh, that's a hard thing. I know that, like you mentioned, that's been one of the hardest part is to see your wife, the one you love dearly, part of you that's in a lot of pain and, and, and some suffering, and you can't do anything about it. Guys are fixers. Men are fixers. How this let me? How can I fix this? And let's move on. You know, you get an argument with your wife. You sort of okay. Let me just. How do I fix this? We can move on, and all will be well. And you have not been able to do that. Uh, it's not. You know, I know that's been a difficult thing for you to to kind of sit back and say, well, I, I can't fix it. Uh, that's hard for you. And I know you mentioned it's hard for you. And what a great testimony that is. Uh, you know, to come to that realization of I'm not perfect. Uh, and I don't think you ever thought you were, but it's easy to get into a place when everything works out like it's supposed to, right? When it just, bam, 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 it's just, in our young lives, it's just working out uh, like it's supposed to. And then a roadblock happens. I mean, just a big, huge roadblock that uh, you just have a hard time with. Uh, and it's a great realization, great lesson 
Lord teaches. Uh, I'm not perfect. I don't have it all like it's supposed to. And uh, great lessons the Lord teaches us to, you know, to rely on Him. Uh, so I know we've talked about worship and uh, how we worship the Lord and, and how uh, worship the Lord at all times is what we preached on last week. How do we worship God in every area of our life? Uh, well, you guys are in the middle of just uh, a storm, and, and it's it's been hard, it's been tough for you guys. But I know that you've been faithful in worship. I know it hasn't been easy. And I know probably sometimes you've had to force yourself to do that. Uh, tell us, tell us about that. How how have you been able to worship the Lord during the time? If if so, how? What does that look like for you right now? Um, I would say that you know. When you're in that valley, for me, it's easy to cry out to the Lord in those times. You know, um, when at our worst, what I did want to do is I did want to come to church and I did want to cry out to Him and praise the Lord. Um, but another way that I feel like that we're able to praise the Lord through this storm is by doing some kingdom work. Um, you know, through all of these trials, I feel like God was preparing our hearts for something. Um, and if we hadn't gone through all of the miscarriages, then I know that we would have never been open to foster parenting or adopting or anything like that. Um, but we're currently in the process of taking the classes to become foster parents. Um, it's our prayer that we can hope that we can bridge that gap for kids and um, really just be the light of Christ for them, um, to make a lasting impression on their life by doing what we feel that God has called us to do. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, God obviously does things in our life and, and uh, never wasted. Uh, God never wastes opportunities. And so uh, I think that, uh, you know, you guys going down the road of fostering and possibly adoption, that God's got great plans for that. And there's a kid out there or some kids out there that need a gospel-centered, loving home where a mom and dad can love them like they've never felt love before uh, and you know if that's God's plan I think I know you guys now are that place Lord that that's it and that's it it's like what about you what how does it how have you been able to worship the Lord uh, when you see your wife hurting uh, in pain with you too I mean I, I don't I wouldn't want anybody to forget about you you know obviously obviously your heart goes out to wife because you know they they bear the children and and that is hard because you feel like, yeah, I would never, ever act like I'm an expert on you know this or uh, or pregnancy or anything. But I know through conversation with you and other people that you do feel like a part of you just kind of you know dies with with each miscarriage. So for you, I mean, you have to go through that, and oftentimes you can be overlooked a little bit because you're trying to console. It's hard for you to kind of go through it. You know, I've had a lot of conversations. What does worship look like for you? How have you been able to kind of remain faithful in, in worship of the Lord? Uh, how, what does that look like for you? It, I'm not going to lie. Um, first couple miscarriages was uh, tough because it was a roadblock. It, it was a roadblock in our plans. Um, and on the last miscarriage, God kind of, he kind of just, he deviled me. He, he was like, Hey, where are you gonna go? There, there's, there's no more doctors to see. You got your family praying for you. 
you know, turn it over, turn it over, you know, finally turn it over. And um, once I finally committed and just gave God, gave it all to the Lord, God's really been able to open up my heart. He, he's opened up my heart to, um, I'm being honest, six months ago, a year, a year ago, he just said, the Spanish said, hey, let's go to the doctor, do foster parents. I've been like, whoa, whoa I'm right there. No, that's not going to happen. Um, but the Lord's definitely worked on my heart and um, uh, definitely <coughs> putting it in there to be a foster parent, to go through the classes and seek that, to be able to help children in a time of need. It's amazing how God does things to get us to do what he wants us to do, right? <laughs> I think you make a great point. Uh, you know, we go through life and situations. You guys are, I want to emphasize, you guys are in it right now. I mean, you're, you're in it. You're not through it, over it. You're still in it. You're walking through it. Uh, but there comes times in our life where we're walking through Genesis on Wednesday night. Jacob had that moment of just, okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, Turn it all over to you. I'm just going to trust you with it. Um, and God needs you to do that as a spiritual leader of your home, uh, to just turn all that over to him and trust in him with it. Uh, what, uh, when you think about the most difficult uh, or remaining faithful, uh, has it been difficult to remain faithful? I'm going a little bit off script, maybe. But uh, has it been hard? I mean, you know, we can say, oh, yeah, we remain faithful, but has it been easy to do that? Uh, has it been hard to do that? Has it been hard to sing and worship in here or listen to preaching or in your car? Have there been those moments where there's anger or frustration? Have, there, have you gone through those times? And, and I, I mean, I'm not saying you have, but I know it's been difficult. It, it, it has been difficult, Brother Mike. Um, Coming back on our last miscarriage from Memphis, you got a three and a half hour drive. And if I'm lucky to be ever been to Memphis, that road is desolate. <laughs> and um, it's a good restaurant with good kitchen fish. Many God had several thoughts on the way back home. Of, of Lord, I don't understand. Lord, please answer my prayers. Um, and I was fighting with it. it was, I was just being restless. And I, at, the, at this time, you know, being di- you know, it was difficult because I hadn't fully committed and just turned turned it over to the Lord, but you know, just give in and surrender. Um, Brother Mike, a couple months ago, some of y'all may remember, he opened up the church service with prayer. Everybody came came down to the altar and laid it down, and it it really it really touched um, how we just opened up, and um, I laid it down there at the altar. Um, I, I laid it down fully at the, at the foot of the cross that day. And from then, God has been able to work on my heart much more than I ever thought he could be able to. I would say for me, I remember um, just one of the times Clay and I were talking and praying, and I remember saying, you know, we deserve to have a child, Clay. You know, we. Financially, we can afford a child. Spiritually, we go to church. We know we're decent people. Um, we work. I feel like we should be able to have a child. We deserve a child. And then at that point, it was the reality. And I just remember God speaking to me, saying, No, what you deserve is eternity in hell. Apart from Christ, we are all just worthless enemies of God. 
and I remember just thinking, Lord, I'm so thankful for your grace, and I'm thankful that life is not fair, because if it was fair, everyone in here would be going to hell, and I'm so thankful for his grace and his mercy on us. What is it, uh, and what a, what a great lesson that is, you know, uh, to come to the realization of, you know, oftentimes we can say, why me? You know, why do we have to do this? Uh, but then you also learn that, you know, why not? You know, who who am I to have to not have to deal with something like this? You know, who am I that I shouldn't have to go through something like this? Or, you know, for you guys, I, I think y'all got to that point of going, I mean, who are we that we shouldn't have to deal with it? You know, and like what you mentioned, uh, as what we really deserve is God's full total wrath on our life. That's what we deserve. Because that's what Isaiah said. Woe is me. I'm ruined. Because he was in the presence of the Lord, he knows because of his sin, he deserved God's wrath. That's the only thing he deserved. And in that moment, he realized that. And that lesson for all of us in here, uh, you don't deserve a good paying job, a nice house, good vacations, a good family, home life. You don't deserve to get everything you want or anything you might need. You, we don't deserve that. According to the scriptures, you know what we deserve? It's God's total wrath upon our life. We deserve being eternally separated from God for, for all time in a real place called hell. That's what we deserve. Why? Because of our sin. Because of our wrongdoing, our sin. But praise the Lord of His grace, right? Praise the Lord of Christ on the cross that died for our sin and that if we do put our total trust in Him, like Isaiah did, He recognized and confessed Himself and His sin to the Lord. And then God looked down and said, Your sins are removed. They're atoned for. They're removed. So no longer, yes, you still may deserve death and eternally separated from the Lord in real ways called hell. You may deserve that. It's not what you're getting. You're getting grace. You're getting righteousness of Christ. What a great lesson. Even if that's what the main thing God would have to learn. Right? I, mean, I think that would be good enough. Uh, what a great lesson for us to be humbled in our walk that we can now wake up every day and say, God, I don't deserve anything you give me today other than your wrath. But thanks be to God for your undescribable gift of grace and salvation. So, um, one of the last questions talks about fellowship. We're transitioning from worship to fellowship, how to be faithful in fellowship. Uh, and these guys are in a small group. Uh, it's a great small group. They have a great teacher. Uh, he does a good job. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, anyway, how, how is it? How has it been uh, being faithful to the local church, being faithful to a small group? Uh, what's that been like? Has it been helpful? Uh, and how has it been just being faithful to a local church, coming to church? Because I'm sure sometimes it's hard to, you know, because of the weightiness of just life that's happening, what you're going through. I'm sure sometimes it's just kind of hard to come to church. There's, listen, there's people all over. I mean, a lot of people I talk to, they go through hardships. You know, you know what some people do? They quit going to church. They just don't come back for a while. 
And I think, why are you doing that? No. Come to your local church. Let people love on you. Get out of your, you know, cloud up here in your pride. Humble yourself. Come to church. Come fall at this altar and pray that the Lord will heal your broken heart, heal your all your issues, and, and let the church pray for you. And so, how's being faithful to the local church in the small group of you I can't begin to describe how thankful I am for both of our pastors, Brother Ben and Brother Mike. I've been able to talk with them, me and Santa both have. I've been able to cry. Um, they, Brother Mike, he's called. Brother Ben is called. Check on us both. Um, our church family, there's people in this congregation that's, that you know, serve with on um, security teams check on this. And small group, I don't know if me and Savannah could have, I don't know. This small group, the people in our small group are ones I really want to thank. Um, when we first started attending church here, Mike came up to us first Sunday and he said, hey, he said, y'all need to plug into a small group. <laughs> and being honest, I was never really the type to enjoy Sunday school. Little did I know that the small group people I've met would care for me pray for me, and cry with me like brothers and sisters. For that, for, for the people that are visiting, I beg you to give small groups a chance. By plugging into a small group, you will gain support like no other, and friends for a lifetime. I would just say that, um, you know, through our small group, not only have we made some of our best friends for life, but also friends that have wound up coming to church here and then get plugged into small group with us is strengthen our relationship with them as well. Um, you know, there was times when our small group kind of knew what was going on and no one else knew. Um, but I would get calls and texts and people bring food to our house and um, just really were there just constantly loving on us and encouraging us in what was like the darkest times of our life. And um, I'm honest to goodness, I don't know what I would have done without that support system in our lives. Yeah. One of the great um, things about East of Oka is uh, the emphasis we try to put on small group. When you have a large church as far as congregation number of people that we do, uh, you know, we, for those visiting, we have two services. So we have an 815 service that has just as much people, if not more, in that service. Uh, and so we really push small groups, Sunday school. Uh, it is vital for our church members, our faith family, uh, because in a, in a church this size, there's no way you can get the great benefit of a local body of believers like you can for a small group. Uh, and so uh, they're, the small group they're in, uh, they were in um, another class, and they just the, the dynamics of the class, they were just two different groups, really, at college and career, those that were still in college. And then you had a group of young, married, no kids that there were in there. We really didn't have a great place for them to plug in and, and for them to, to land. And so uh, I was in another class that uh, we had started years back, and the Lord put it on my heart to uh, start another one. And so we did that. Uh, and so Clay and Savannah's been there from day one. And uh, that class has just grown. It's done, man, it's just great. There's great folks in the class. Uh, if you're a young couple, young married, no kids, or one, you know, just a baby or something, and we would love for you to come visit. It's a wonderful class. There's great people in there like Clay and Savannah, and we just have a good time. But I would uh, I would echo what they said. 
Uh, it is just crucial. You cannot, listen, I have talked to people all the time that go through some of the hardest things they've ever had to deal with in life. And people say, well, how in the world are they going, how are they making without a church? How do they get through that without a faith family? And I always say, how do you, who says they're making? Who says they're making? They probably, they may be dying on the inside because they don't have what God intended for them to have, a local church, a class, a small group of people that can do life with you, walk with you through the good, great times and walk with you through those hard times. And it is important for you to be in a small group in a Sunday school class. If you're here and you're a member and you're just you're you're not faithful to a small group, please, please find one. We would love to help you do that. It's just so important. Uh, you you need to you need to feel the same thing they felt from a small group. Uh, it's just been more. Any other thing you guys want to share? You're you're good. You sure? <laughs> okay. Uh, listen, I want to tell you this. Just like playing Savannah, uh, there's people in this room. Many of you didn't know their story, did you? You do, you maybe not know the story. But there's many people in this room, just like in our first service, uh, that there's a battle going on in your heart. You're dealing with stuff. And that's okay. It's totally fine. Because here's the thing. You have no clue what the person to your left and what the person to your right is going through. You have no idea. But the thing is, is we all go through life. We all deal with moments. And just like Clay and Savannah, man, they've been able to open up, share their story, and and uh, and, and people been able to pray over them and comfort them. And, and uh, this has been hard. This has been testing me uh, as a pastor. Uh, Amanda and I, uh, God's grace, we've never had to deal with a miscarriage. It's just we've just not done that. Many people in here, you have, you you've had miscarriages or a miscarriage or many miscarriages. Uh, I don't know many of you may remember years ago, three or four years ago, we did the same thing. Uh, we had stories from faith family members. And there was another couple. They had seven miscarriages. Uh, and so, uh, but the man and I, it's been hard. And I, I told you, it's been hard for me to kind of minister to you guys because what do I, I don't, I've not felt that. I don't, you know, it's just kind of one of those that I, I love you and I know God is faithful I know the Lord is good and all of his plans are right. I know all that. Uh, but it's hard to kind of empathize, you know, because I've just not experienced it. But what we do know is Christ has. And he has experienced all that we've ever experienced. And I have experienced loss of loved ones. I've experienced that. But uh, thank the Lord that the great high priest we have, he knows us. And he knows what we go through. And so I would encourage you, maybe you're, you're dealing with life, and it's been difficult. You've held it in. You may not have told a lot of people what's going on in your life. I'm not asking you to come up here on stage and do that. Uh, I'm not trying to do that. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, I got to get to know you first. But I know in a room this size, there's people in here. You're dealing with things. And you know what? It's okay. That's the thing. It's okay. You are in the presence of a bunch of messed up people. Did you know that? Amen? I mean, you're in the presence of messed up folks. You're visiting with us. You, there ain't, There's not a place around with more messed up people than in here. And, and we don't mind saying that. We don't mind saying that. You know why? Because we know the God we seek to, the God we love, the God we worship and serve, 
And because of His grace, we're able to get up every day and know that today, yesterday, I failed yesterday. But His mercies are new today. And I'm going to walk in that new mercy. I'm going to walk in His grace. And so if you're here in a moment, just like Isaiah had a moment where he heard from the Lord, and he had a time of response to say yes to the Lord. Here am I, Lord. Use me, send me. Just like Blade Savannah has done in their prayers. What the coolest thing about their story, one of them is how they talked about how God has changed their prayers. Changed how they pray. You know, life will do that. Instead of God, give me a baby, give us a child. It's God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Lord, here we are. Whatever you want us to do, it will do. Instead of God, give me this. Give me this child. Give me a child. It's Lord, just give me you. If, if, if all I have is you, boy, that's enough. I know many people in here, listen, you need that same prayer. You need to change your prayers. God, give me that. Give me that prayer here. Give me this, that, that. Hey, look, you, you just pray, Lord, I just need you. I need you to increase in my life. Okay? You just watch and just see how God will work and move and change your heart in how you view those things. It doesn't mean that when you turn your life to the Lord and get saved and trust in Jesus, listen, it doesn't mean all your problems go away. No, it doesn't mean that. At all, you can see claims of man. They're faithful to the Lord. They love the Lord. They're saved. They're going to heaven. There's nothing they can do to not go to heaven. Praise God for Jesus, right? But obviously you can tell, they, man, they're in a storm. They're just right in the middle of it. It doesn't mean all your problems go away. But here's the good part. It just means you brought God into it. That God's in it now. And He's just walking with you. You know the God that created all things? The God that can do anything? The God that has all power and all authority to say yes, no, stop, get out, quit, have a child, don't have a child? That God just brought Him into your situation to walk with you. Don't you need that? In a moment, we're going to stand and sing. It's invitation. It's a time of response. Maybe you need Jesus today. Maybe you, like Isaiah, you need to confess your sins to the Lord. Maybe you're like Asher this morning, Asher Clark. Maybe you know Jeremiah Clark. Asher came forward, trusted in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Praise God for that in our early service. Maybe you need Christ today. Maybe you're visiting with us. What would they think if I, if I go down and pray, go down and talk to the pastor? You know what we're going to think? Amen. Yes. Praise the Lord. We're going we're gonna to worship with you. We're going to pray with you. We're going to love on you. But maybe you're a Christian here. And maybe you're like playing Savannah. Maybe you're a Christian and maybe you feel like in your own life, maybe in some areas, you just haven't been as faithful as you should be. And I'm not saying they, they haven't been as faithful in areas. They can speak to that. But maybe in your own life, I know in mine, in some areas you, you would say, Lord, I'm not being faithful in that area. But God, you have been faithful, but I have not. Listen, let's, let's just humble ourselves and come on down to an altar and pray with him from the Lord and say, Lord, I, I repent. I've not been faithful. So I'm going to trust you. I'm going to give that over to you. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for our time. Lord, there's people all across this room. They need to do exactly what Clay and Savannah did. They need to come to an altar and they need to say, God, I'm giving it over to you. I'm giving it to you. I've tried my way. I've tried to do it on my own. The Lord has brought nothing but more hard on and suffering. Lord, I'm going to give it over to you. Do you need to do that today? Do you need to do that?
Maybe you're here and you're a Christian and you know you haven't been as faithful as you should be. Really, all of us need to come down and repent of our lack of faithfulness to the Lord. What about you? Adult? Teenager? Child? You need to come and pray repenting of the, from the Lord of your lack of faithfulness. Or maybe you're here this morning and you know you need Jesus. You need to call upon His name. Let your sins be forgiven. You say, I don't understand all that. Well, guess what? You'll never understand all that. But we can pray with you. We can talk with you about what it looks like to be faithful to the Lord. To call upon His name to be saved and have your sins forgiven. Father, have your way. Lord, if you're calling us to make decisions, I pray we'll do that. In Jesus' name, amen.